Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. Yes, he is. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we're going to be discussing the game Happy Salmon, which sounds like a kid's show. It does. And... The game looks like a kid's game, but adults can play it and have a really fun time. It's very true. You can, uh, I think in New Year's one time we played it as a drinking game. That's the same. You can totally do that. <laughs> so what is Happy Salmon? Happy Salmon is a 1 to 7 to possibly 14 player game. It's a party game uh, where you all stand around in a circle and it's like, kind of like go fish in a way. Yeah, With actions. Is. Yeah. Oh, that just suddenly makes so much more sense of why it's called Happy Salmon, and it is very Go Fish-esque. Yeah, you're just looking for a partner, and then you throw it on your card, and if you're done with your deck in your hand, then you're out, or you're out of the game, and the person who is the last person loses the game. So it's not like there's a winner, there's just a bunch of, there's just one loser. Right. Yeah. That's what's most important. Yeah, so Happy Salmon is a very, very simple game. We don't even need to go into it, because I just described the game to you, but... Well, I like I just I like it as a party game that's oh, an alternative sorry. to the party games that maybe most people will traditionally bring out. Like, yeah. Or it's even like a great opener. Like, let's get ready to play some board games, but first let's act a little silly. <laughs> and I think that's a really fun way to get a group warmed up and ready to go. Especially with people who don't know each other, because if you are looking around and you're looking for a high five is one of the cards. If you're looking for a high five, you see that other person. Maybe you don't know them, but you're going to high five them anyway. Yeah. And it creates this physical contact and this like great feeling. And it's, yeah, it's a good way of breaking the ice too. Okay. So today, with that in mind, we're going to talk about salmon migration. Now, this won't necessarily bring you into the game more. True. <laughs> but it is a very interesting theme for a game. Yeah, and I also just learned a lot about salmon migration that it was way more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So get ready, buckle up, here comes salmon migration. Well, what is migration, Spencer? That's a fantastic question, Mike. So migration is large-scale movements of species from one location to another. They're usually very cyclical. And because of that, they're usually guided by the seasons. We see birds do this all the time, right? We do. They fly south for the winter and then come back. Fish migrate too. You might think, well, they're stuck in a lake or they're just in the ocean. What is What would migration even really look like? But they do, in fact, move from one body of water to another. Or, you know, if the body of water is big enough, they just move from one part of it to another part of it. Yes. And when it comes to fish, specifically salmon, there are two different types, or as have you written, flavors, mm-hmm. because we're talking about fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one is anadromous, which is moving from the sea or salt water into fresh water to spawn. And spawning is the, the mating time. And then the other type is catadromous, which is moving from freshwater to the sea uh, regarding eels. So we're actually going to be focusing on salmon today, which use the anadromous approach to the migration, which is going from the sea, saltwater, to freshwater. And what is it called when salmon migrate? A salmon run! So what is a salmon run, you might be asking? Well... When mature salmon decide to return from the sea and spawn to to reproduce, they head back up actually into freshwater rivers. 
And when we're talking about salmon here, we're talking about mostly Pacific salmon. There's one species of Atlantic salmon, and they largely follow the same rules, but that's what we're talking about here. And, you know, we called this a salmon run, and that's because that whole idea, the anadromous word, comes from the idea of running upwards. And the salmons grow leg. And (laughs) just bolt. They just take off ridiculous but it is almost literally what they do they are going to run up these rivers but in order to understand the beauty of this process we must go back to the beginning exactly baby salmon baby baby salmon so let's talk about the life cycle of a salmon so salmon they're born in gravel rock beds and freshwater rivers which are the spawning grounds, meaning there's a massive amount of eggs being laid here. And hopefully one of these little salmon will survive and no predators take them over. Most of these are done in quieter parts of the river because they're safer uh, than the ocean, meaning they're a higher likelihood that the babies will survive. After the salmon hatch, they stick around the eggs for a little while and they eat their little eggs. Then eventually the baby salmons, they develop enough and they're able to safely leave the egg and start eating the nearby plankton. Now, when they are this size, they are called a fry. Which, you made a note here, and I was thinking the exact same thing, so I'm so glad you noted it. You just wrote one word, Wind Waker. So any nerds out there who've played The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, know that you're in a boat traveling around this massive ocean, and there's a little fish who comes out and helps Mark on your map if you feed him food, and he calls you Small Fry. It suddenly, it all clicks why you would call somebody a small fry. Now it makes sense, now that we understand what salmon are like when they're very small. Do you remember the sound he makes? (laughs) (laughs) After after these small fries (laughs) eventually start to develop a little bit more. Is that why they call it a fish fry, or is it because you're frying fish? I think it might be because of the frying aspect of it, but it might be a double... Would it be a fry fry? If you fried up a little baby fish? Oh, there's not a lot of meat on them bones. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'd be worth it. It'd be a lot of fry. It'd be a plethora of fry. I couldn't think of an F. Anyway, let's move on. These these fry, they have, or fries, they have scales eventually. I mean, they're fish. They they, they develop these camouflage scales, these stripes and, and patterns that will help them blend in with the quieter forested river environment. And so that allows them to move on to the next stage. We are moving past them into being called a par. And they're going to stay like this for about three years. They're going to keep growing and growing and growing. But eventually, you're going to have to leave the nest. You can't stay a par forever. So my dad always told me. And so they, it's time to grow up. They get rid of their camouflage in exchange for some silvery scales. Uh, and this is because they're moving back into the ocean. And the silvery scales act as a different kind of camouflage and deterrent against predators in the ocean. Mainly the scales are shiny and they can confuse and blind predators in the ocean. And they have grown now into what is called the smolt stage. Yeah, and so they've they've got these sweet new shiny scales and they enter the ocean. And finally they stop living this relatively isolated lifestyle and begin to meet up with other salmon. And they form schools, schools of fish and schools of salmon in this case. And they go hunting in the ocean for years. They stay out there for about four more years. And what are they doing in those four years? They're working out. These (laughs) salmon are getting into shape, Mike. So it would be fry, par, smolt, and then beefcake? Yeah, exactly. These fish are going out there 
and developing to their fullest potential because they need to be incredibly strong swimmers and they need to be virile and ready to reproduce because at the end of those four years, it's time for them to come back home and partake in the most difficult swim of their entire lives. And probably yours if you tried it too. But we'll tell you a little bit more about that after the break. Do you enjoy fantasy? Does the detailed image of a wizard on the side of a van make you think, that could be me one day? Do you think a battle mace is an appropriate gift for a baby shower? Does your boss frown on your chainmail codpiece on casual Fridays? Is your name Smitimus? If you answered yes to any of the following, or are just looking for something fun to read, then you should check out Battlements. Battlements is a humorous fantasy comic filled with swords and sorcery, axes and anachronism, and battle maces and bears. Follow Shane, Hector, Jean, and Rail as they get into adventuring shenanigans, all while trying to pay the rent. The comic updates every Thursday and is free to read at battlementscomic.com. Go check it out and be the wizard on the side of a van. You were meant to be. And we're back. Spencer, you ready to run? I'm stretched. Ready to go. Fish don't stretch. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about the practicality of their Oh, You their can tune a fish, system. but I don't know if you can stretch a fish. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. So the salmon run. <laughs> it's time to reproduce. The salmons are ready to go. They've been working out their past four years, uh, and they actually find their original river that they came out of so many years ago. And they begin to swim up against the current. And that's hard enough alone to swim against a river, right? Like, that's that's hard. That's pretty impressive on its own. But you said something kind of interesting there. They go back to their original river, the one that they came from so long ago. These fish have been swimming around in the ocean for four years and yet know how to come back home to the exact river that spawned them so long ago. How? How could they possibly do that? They're just fish. Radar. Radar. Right? Well, fish kind of have like a weird mag magnetic radar-ish system in order. That, that's what allows them maybe, to navigate. Maybe they left some breadcrumbs. Well, all the ducks would have eaten that by now. Oh, man, the ocean ducks are the worst. So there's there's got to be something. And you would you would not think it when you think about fish, but it's actually their nose. Which is really interesting. Yeah, they follow their nose back home. It turns out... <laughs> like toucan salmon. Exactly. It turns out that salmon have incredibly strong senses of smell. And to add on to that, each river or stream that kind of feeds into the ocean actually has a unique smell to it. That makes sense. And so, yeah, the, the salmon are able to eventually hone in on their home by just sniffing it out. Okay, so they got their super schnozzes to find their way home, and they begin swimming against the current and make it back to that little quiet place they were born so long ago. And they're literally swimming against the current. And when it becomes really rough and choppy and maybe even to a point where they, like a ledge that they can't necessarily get through because there's like a waterfall, they have to leap from the river, propelling themselves forward. That's where you see that iconic bear looking for a salmon and the salmon jumping up throughout the water. They're not just gasping for air. They're trying to get home. Right. And in order to jump from the the river, the salmons actually need to develop 
the muscles to pull something like that off. And so when I said earlier that they were working out, they were working out. And there are different kinds of muscles that are meant for ocean swimming, the kind of like slow, methodical swimming, and then the erratic, rapid river swimming. And so their muscles start to focus in on the river swimming and, and feed more into those as they know it's coming closer to reproduction time. And that's what allows them to make this incredible run. I wonder if I've seen the pictures of what the salmon look like in the ocean and the salmon that are heading up the stream. And they've got this like big back muscle mm. that like pushes their upper fin back. I don't know if that helps out with it, but it's it's <laughs> it's kind of terrifying looking. It is. It's very bizarre to see them propel themselves out of the water like that. And they kind of like twist and turn a little bit while they're in the air and then move themselves forward ever so slowly. And that's what the run, so to speak, is. This this salmon run goes for hundreds of miles sometimes. They're, they're far from home, their original home, and they've got to get back. And so they're swimming and swimming as best they can, but sometimes that water gets too choppy or too rapid or, like you said, there are small cliffs or things like that or edges that they need to get past, and they jump. They can jump up to 12 feet. Or is the highest, I guess, that's recorded. So, yeah, up to. Yeah, up to 12 feet. These salmon could dunk. <laughs> they could dunk, in theory. Uh, and it's interesting because this process is so hard that we as humans have decided to step in as if we should help out. And so there are what are called fish ladders that are being that have been created by mankind that help ease this process. They It makes the... The jump's not as as hard or the river kind of calms down in these periods where the salmon will just kind of go up this ladder and slowly climb up. Problem with that is that it allows weaker salmon to get up and reproduce, which is sort of counter to the entire idea of natural selection and survival of the fittest. I guess you could say the other side is if we build a dam somewhere, they're going to need to get up. Like you can't. If it's a straight up and down dam, they're not going to be able to do that. So you kind of have to give them a little bit. Sure, of... absolutely. Yeah. So we, we help them along a, a little bit because it's not just the water that's difficult. There are hungry, hungry predators out there, Mike. But not hippos. We're talking bears, eagles, otters, and us, humans. And we all know when the salmon run begins and we're all waiting to to eat them. <laughs> Everyone's got, they're just wringing their hands greedily. It's interesting about, I read about the otters. Uh, the otters, if they go after the salmon and kill a salmon, the rest of the salmon will avoid that area coming up because they can smell the otter and mm. smell their dead salmon brethren. Wow. So it really uh, reinforces the how strong their sense of smell is. Yeah, and so... The, the otters, they have the, at least the ability to get in the water and swim around and, and capture the, the salmon that way. But you've got bears just standing on the riverside, like you were saying. You've, you've seen them in pictures just standing there hoping to either catch a salmon or, like, bat it out of the air while it's jumping and hit it onto dry land where it can be eaten at that point. Yeah, well, and these are big things. Like, I've seen, like, just hanging out of the bear's mouth. They're, like, a couple feet 
Yeah, salmon can be huge. Giant. I went I went salmon uh, fishing one time. Up Did you? In, uh, yeah, out in, in Washington, and we caught a couple of salmon, and one was 22 inches, the other was 24. I mean, up to two feet long. They, they were massive creatures. You These bears just fished that big? I caught a fish that big. <laughs> <laughs> but... These salmon, they persevere. They 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 swim around the otters. They dodge the bears. They <laughs> watch out for eagles. All for a little bit of hanky panky. Yeah, more it's, or less. What's their whole life is about? And they get there, and the females they lay all their eggs. The males they fertilize them all, and then the males stick around for a little bit because they're trying to defend and make sure those little baby salmon before they can become a little fry. They, they they defend until they die. So their entire life cycle is based entirely on mating, and then they die. Yeah, all the salmon will die after this reproduction. They come up here, I don't know if they know it or not, but I mean, it is that is the goal. And they die because the salmon body changes so much over its lifespan, from the small fry to changing the camouflage to the scales to the muscles. The, the final form of the salmon, once it's gotten up here and reproduced, it is not sustainable in fresh water. And so it just will deteriorate eventually. It just can't survive in that environment. And so they ultimately die, hoping that the next generation will pass on their genes. And if you ever get a chance, look up what a salmon looks like at the end of his life cycle it, they're pretty terrible looking things yeah the, the males have those they have like sharp teeth in yeah. there to help protect uh, against the they any kind of predator hunchback they're bright red mm. right before they die and they're they're not looking as pretty as they were no <laughs> but that's that's the migratory pattern of salmon they yeah. they go from freshwater to sea back to freshwater it's a it's a perfect cycle for these these fish well, if you don't got anything else. Nope. Well, I don't got anything else. Uh, that's Salmon Migration. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Board. If you guys have any questions, comments, want to correct us on anything, or maybe have a salmon recipe, uh, send them to beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at goingbtb. And if you want, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and then every week you'll get a brand new episode tackling some exciting topics like salmon migration. It was actually pretty exciting. I, I learned. I enjoyed it. And so we'll just leave you with this. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash Thanks for listening. <laughs>